Do you know everything there is to know about running your business? Do you know everything you need to know about how to walk away from the single largest asset you've spent your life creating? I'll bet you don't. This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we have Kevin Kays. He's the president of the Alternative Board Denver North. Kevin, thanks so much for taking time to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, tell us a bit about your business and who you serve. I own the Alternative Board Denver North, and I work with entrepreneurs. I really target folks who own and operate, actively involved in running their businesses, that do generally gross revenues of about a million dollars up into the 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar range and larger. What I do is work with them to run their businesses more effectively so that they can identify their personal goals, translate that into their company goals, use that to develop their strategy and actually implement it to get them where they want to be both personally and with the business. I'm going to pretend I'm a business owner and I'm going like, well, that sounds interesting. Yes. I've been successful. I know everything I think Mm -hmm. that there is to know about my customer. I've been Mm -hmm. running the business for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I'm successful by almost everybody's measure. Sure. So you walk through the door. What should I expect? Initially, what you should expect is for me to start asking you about where you are with your business, where you are with your life, and what sort of plan you have, not only for running the business, but for, at some point, leaving the business and monetizing that asset that you've spent your life building. And for many of the business owners, you know, you think about leaving the business, go, I I have zero plan of leaving my business. I'm going to work here till I die. Why would that be of interest to the guy that says, I'm never going to leave my business? The guy that says he's never going to leave his business is deluding himself because he's either going to leave it on his own power or leave it feet first. And if he's got a family that's depending on him, he's got a responsibility to make sure that that asset serves them one way or another after he's gone. And if he doesn't plan for his exit and doesn't plan for that asset to be of value to the folks behind him, he's going to leave a colossal mess for him. I saw a statistic not long ago said after the 2008 decline, crash, whatever, that two-thirds of the jobs created in the country were created by small business owners. I believe that's true, yes. So the business owner that's been successful, I suspect, is interested in his employees as well. Yes, very true. Because one of the things I look at is for the individual that runs his or her business is to help them lead more effectively, help them deliver on the plan that they need to make so that not only is the business doing well to meet their needs, but meets the needs of their employees. Because at some point, you are responsible for the people that you've engaged because their livelihoods are dependent on your ability to run and to lead that business. For the business owner going, she might say, I'm not going to take and sell my business. I want to transition it to my kids. Mm -hmm. So for that particular person with that circumstance, what types of things do you see that you bring to the table that help those folks? That's a particularly good situation for me when a business owner wants to transfer to family members or or employees. But say, for example, family members, have the family members worked in the business? What responsibilities have they had? A particular case I worked with for a number of years was where the entrepreneur who founded the business was transitioning it to a daughter. And he was becoming less and less able to interact with the business on a daily basis for some health reasons. I stepped in and essentially coached and mentored the daughter as we grew the business and then moved it to an eventual successful sale. But those are the types of things where 
someone in my position as a coach can come in and help on a change of control to a new generation who may not necessarily have all the insight that I've gained in 40-some years of a professional career. In the transition, I think, for many of the business owners, and you've talked to lots of them, I have too, mm-hmm. and sometimes the transition is not elective. That's true. One of the things I work with individuals on is, do we have the right mechanism in place should something happen? If you get hit by a bus tomorrow, what's going to happen in the business? Is there a continuity plan? Is there a partner? Is there a buy-sell agreement? Even as basic as Mr. or Ms. Business Owner, do you have a will? Do you have a trust? Do you have an estate plan in place? All those sorts of things, even down to do you have a durable power of attorney, medical power of attorney, to take care of your affairs if you're not competent or you're not around to do it so that people who actually have to pick up the pieces in the business or with your family affairs are able to do that. It sounds sort of intuitive that you would think that this is done all the time. One would think that, but I find in working with entrepreneurs, as I imagine you do, is that you're so busy in the day-to-day, getting the sale that I need, making sure I've got the right people in the right seats on the bus, making sure the cash flow is there, that it's the forest for the tree syndrome. And a lot of my job is pulling them back and giving them the ability to take a bigger picture look at their business, as well as the other piece of what I do, along with the business coaching and exit planning, which is running peer advisory boards so that I get these individuals in with groups of other non-competing business owners that they get to know well and work with on a monthly basis to help back each other up with, what do I do when this happens? Has anybody ever had this experience? What do you think about this situation or that situation? And that's just an invaluable tool for helping business owners better prepare for some of the things that they need to face in running their businesses and in exiting their businesses. I think about the business owner, let's say that you're in your mid-40s, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. and you're operating your business, and by your measures and many others, you're successful. Sure. Why would that particular demographic or age range be interested in a coach? The realization that they don't know it all at some point is going to be critical. What I see frequently with people in that demographic is that they may have started the business by accident or may have just stumbled into starting the business because they left a job or they needed a job and they had a particular skill set. So they started doing whatever it was they knew how to do and gradually it grew and turned into not only a livelihood for them, but an actual business with employees, budgets, staff, in addition to the people on the front line. And all of a sudden, someone who's really good at carpentry or really good at plumbing or really good at writing software has a fair-sized business and they're really not sure what to do next. A big step for someone like that is when they realize the business is stagnant or the business is getting ready to grow and they're not really sure what their next step should be. The business owner's perspective is from the business operator. Correct. I don't think the business owner typically puts himself in the place of the business buyer. I would agree. A large part of what I do, both in exit planning and as a business coach, is work with my clients, members, to make the business less dependent on them as an individual. If they were hit by the proverbial bus tomorrow, what happens? Is there a business continuity plan in place? Is there a buy-sell agreement in place with a partner or with the investors? A worst-case scenario would be, for example, you have a partner in the business and you're suddenly incapacitated, 
your partner is in business with your heir, whoever is responsible for your affairs, whether they know anything about the business or not. If you've been working responsibly, you've developed either a continuity plan, buy-sell agreement, which can be part of that, so that the partner is able to take control and run the business in your absence, or that the business can survive as an entity that has some value. And so trying to get it to the point where the business is not totally dependent on you as an entrepreneur, you as the person that's there day-to-day managing it, is a key part of what I work with my clients to do. Let's circle back a little bit. And so I'm business owner and you walked through my door. Yep. And we agreed that we're going to engage your services. Mm-hmm. As far as the amount of time it would take and the initial first process, mm-hmm. what should I expect? The first thing that's going to happen if you engage me as a business coach is I'll do a behavioral assessment. It helps me understand what your motivators are. And it helps me understand your communication style. There are many out there. I happen to use DISC, which is one that I like. We use it system-wide, and it's very helpful. But it helps me understand how to best communicate with you. Along with that, the next thing we'll do is a personal vision. I'll ask you to complete and work with you to complete a fairly extensive set of questions as to what your wants are, what your needs are, what are the things that you can do in the business that would make a big impact on it. What do you like to do in your free time? How much free time would you like to have? If suddenly you won the lottery, what would you like to do? What would you do with your time? What would you do with your family? Moving farther down the road, what is your exit plan or do you have an exit plan? Those are all pieces that go into that because I work with, for example, you as a hypothetical client to determine what your personal vision is, to develop a roadmap. It's one thing to take some time off, jump in the car with your wife, your husband, your significant other on Monday and say, great, now what? As opposed to actually knowing where you want to go when you're ready to leave on Monday. You actually have a plan. You've made the plan, you work the plan, and you get where you want to go. I apply that same logic to the people that I work with. So it would be a matter of putting together your personal vision and from there using it to develop the vision you have for your company that supports what your vision is, because the company is really your creature. It's there to serve you. From there, we develop a strategy to get you where you want to go, to get the company doing what it needs to do to meet your personal vision. And from there, it's basic blocking and tackling. What are your critical success factors? Small business, long-term planning is three to five years. A lot of what we do is even shorter term than that. What do you need to do in the next 90 days? How do you prioritize Let's say there's a laundry list sure. from soup to nuts. I don't have the paperwork. Oh, sure. I don't have the intellectual property done, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, we and, take a look. Mm-hmm. What are your critical success factors? This is a good time to be planning what you're doing next year. Let's take a look at what your strategy is for the business or what your desire is for the business. What absolutely needs to happen between now and this time next year to get you in the direction that you want to go? Let's pick two, three, four most important things, and let's start working on those and break them down into pieces. There's the strategy. Okay, let's start the plan. Let's start to develop the strategy and then the tactics. What do you need to accomplish this month? What do you need to accomplish in three months? What do you need to accomplish in six months? Because I come in as a coach, not as a consultant. Very different thing. Consultants will come in and tell you what they think you should do. Leaves a report, takes their check, and thank you very much. They're gone. Odds are, come back in six months or a year, you probably won't have done much that they recommended, if any of it. A coach is there, day in, day out, 
every month or more often and works with you as the business owner to actually develop what the strategy should be because that way you have ownership. That way you have accountability, not only to me as a coach, but if you're part of a peer advisory board, you're accountable to several other business owners every month as to what it was you said you were going to do to fix an issue, to achieve a goal, because that is going to be important in getting you to where you want to go. So you got the consultant coach issue. You have an assessment of the owner where he wants to go. That's correct. You have an assessment of the company and where there's a vision. How do you interact with some of the key members of the team that's not the owner? It's really at the option of the owner as to how we choose to do that. In cases where I'm dealing only with the owner and it's a small team, generally I'm dealing directly with the owner. And that's an hour, sometimes more, of individual time once a month, as well as a morning or an afternoon spent with other business owners who serve as that informal board of directors. If it's a team and I'm engaged to come in in that area, I work with them as far as setting the actual company strategy. I'll do strategic reviews, can come in and do quarterly reviews, but I also am sometimes retained to coach the individual managers or executives or department heads, even within a smaller business, on their leadership skills, their management style, their planning, and their implementation. Yeah, I guess in the ideal circumstance, you've got a business owner who brings you on board Mm -hmm. and kind of burned out a little bit. Sometimes. And they start seeing the company be congruent with their vision mm-hmm. and it starts to grow and the fun starts to come back in the business. Sometimes. What types of things do you see those types of owners do when they kind of rediscover the joy of their business? They'll re-engage with the business. They will find new avenues to outlets for their creativity in the business. Maybe they'll take it in a new direction. Sometimes they choose to, okay, I've engaged with the business But you know what? The business is doing what I need it to do. Let me explore some other avenues. Maybe I want to start a new business on the side. Maybe I want to spend more time with my family. I look back at some of the success stories I've had, work with an individual who, when I started working with them, was easily clocking 60 plus, 70 hours a week. He had a couple of small kids. And after I'd been working with him for about a year, in one of our sessions, he said one of the most important things that had happened to him over the course of the year was Instead of just taking Sunday afternoon off, he was taking the full day, as well as a half day during the week to spend time with his two small boys. He eventually sold his business for a significant multiple. But one of the biggest wins in that whole process was making it so that he felt comfortable walking away from the business for a little more time during the week to get some family time with small children. You don't get that chance again. I'm the business owner, and I get an unsolicited offer Mm -hmm. to buy my company. Yeah. Is it typical or atypical for you to get brought in in that case to help them evaluate or maybe consider? Sometimes. I'm going through that now, actually, with an ongoing TAB member of mine that I've been coaching for a little over a year who's dealing with a couple of unsolicited offers for his business. Are they the right offers? We don't know. It's early days yet. But... I had the advantage there of already being involved as a business coach and helping through my connections and through the other people that I work with, getting the right people in place to help advise him. What do I need to do? How much do I disclose? What does the agreement need to look like as far as non-disclosure? What are the questions I need to ask? What are the things I need to do on the financial side to make the best representation of my company? And at what point, what do I need out of the business? on the financial side to make it 
worthwhile for me to sell it? And what's my walkaway point? Those are all issues that we're addressing at present. If a business owner's thinking strategically, even if they haven't engaged someone to help with that, they have someone on tap that they can go to if it happens. But it's always better to be prepared and be proactive than it is to be reactive in a situation like that. And for many of the business owners out there, how would you characterize their understanding of the various avenues to sell their company that are available to them? I would say that it's probably fairly limited because they've spent their lives developing a business and they know more about that particular business than most other people do. They don't necessarily know the best way to maximize the value in their business and prepare it for sale. That's why the specialties have developed in exit planning and investment banking, mergers and acquisitions. There are people who focus on doing the best deal possible. That's not something your average business owner knows. He or she's only going to deal with that one, two, maybe a handful of times in their life, as opposed to professionals who've dealt with it on an ongoing basis. It's very different. You're not going to perform surgery on yourself. If you're smart, you're not going to write your own legal agreements. You find a professional that works with that sort of thing because you may be the best there is at running your particular business, but it's not reasonable to expect that you're going to be an expert in doing something that you've never seen before. I think about the chagrin of the business owner Mm -hmm. that says, I don't need outside advice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sell the business. I've got an offer. And in review, they have no idea whether it was under market, Mm -hmm. at market, or Mm -hmm. above market. They just have no idea. One of the situations that we'll see frequently is we'll ask a business owner, well, how much do you think the business is worth? They'll give you a figure. How did you get there? Well, the last time I went in to renew my line of credit with the bank, they asked me how much I thought it was worth, and I said X, and they said okay. They didn't question it. Well, of course they didn't question it. They were looking at your financial statements. They knew what they needed to know. But then, okay, the next time you go in somewhere, what's your business worth? Well, my banker thinks it's worth X. Or my neighbor down the street thinks it's worth X because he sold his business for Y. So it develops its own momentum. And within the business owner's head, they fix on a particular value. And there's a lot of emotion involved in it. A buyer, potential buyer, whether it's an economic buyer, strategic buyer, what have you, there's no emotion there. They're looking at it from strictly a business standpoint. They're looking at what the multiples are. They're looking at the book of business. They're looking at the intellectual property, if there is any. That's how they're going to base their decision. They don't give a rat's back end of the blood, sweat, and tears that you put in the business or what you think it's worth. Customer concentration. Mm-hmm. Processes. Exactly. Stuff written down. Is What's it repeatable? repeatable? Is there intellectual property? One of the saddest situations I ran across a few years ago was a fellow that I'd met, and he had been running a business for a number of years. It had some health issues. had to step away for a while. His lieutenants did okay running the business, and he came back. I met with him and he said, well, I think I'll sell a business in a few years, but I'm okay for now. But the guys that are running the business for me are going to buy it. Great. I get a call from him about two years later. You know anybody that would like to buy my business? I want to go ahead and sell it. Well, I thought you were going to sell it to the guys inside. Well, they don't have the ability to buy it. Okay. Well, tell me about the business. Tell me about the clients. Well, there's really only one major client left. The rest of them had left at some over the period of time. And the business had gradually spiraled to get smaller and smaller. I sent a couple of people his way, but ultimately didn't hear any more about him until I saw the ad in the auction Mm -hmm. for the equipment. 
and later saw that the real estate had been sold. So what was a going concern ultimately wound up being worth the auction value of the equipment and the value of the real estate. And that's a lifetime of building a business that went for auction value because of a failure to plan. That happens more often than most business owners realize. Sadly, it does. Or the failure to transact because the business owner has one value in mind. That's correct. And the buyer looks at that and goes, the math doesn't support your premise. That's right. Moving on a bit, I think kind of before we leave this topic, the business owner is going like, you know what, I need to take and have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Two things. One, how much time does it typically take mm -hmm. for me to take in and start going down this road? Normally, when I engage with somebody as a business coach on the tab side, it'll be a couple of hours on the front end because there's a lot of work involved and the assessment is quick. It's 15 or 20 minutes on the computer, but actually doing working with your personal vision is an in-depth process. It requires a lot of thought and particularly if you're married or if you're in a long-term relationship, your spouse or partner needs to be involved in that because you're talking about the major asset. You're talking about what your life plans are. You don't want to be the one whose idea of a perfect retirement is sitting in the cabin on a lake well away from civilization. Your husband or wife or partner would love to just buy an RV and travel the country. You need to talk about that stuff sooner rather than later. So the front end, it's a couple of hour commitment. But as things get going, generally, if I'm working with an entrepreneur, they can expect to spend about an hour a month with me individually. More time, if necessary, we can negotiate that. But then if they're involved in the peer advisory board, they set aside a regular morning or an afternoon once a month. So it's about four hours to get together with a group of non-competing business owners. And that gives them an opportunity to talk about the challenges, the problems, the opportunities that they face in running and growing their businesses. For that business owner says, I really need to reach out and talk mm -hmm. to you. How do they find you on social media? I am available on LinkedIn. You can search me under my name. Or I have a website. K-A-Y-S. K-A-Y-S, which people do horrible things to that. <laughs> I should have never changed it from McKay, I think. I'm also, I have my own website, which is tabdenvernorth.com. And that's also linked to my LinkedIn page. Those are the easiest ways to find me. Super. Well, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Okay. In the reading material or a recent book that's mm -hmm. altered your perception on what you bring to your business or you bring to your customers or a book that sticks out? Actually, it's one that we just discussed recently. One of my members suggested as a manufacturing guy. It's called Two Second Lean. And when you first look at it, you think, well, it was written by a manufacturing guy and it's all about manufacturing. It's not really. It's more about process and planning. And just reading that book, and it's a typical business book. It's an easy read. You can read it on a short flight from here to Chicago or from here to LA, it's easily read. But it gives you several valuable nuggets on how to actually be better at what you're doing. It's even as simple as, let's clear your workspace every morning. Let's make sure we know where everything is. Let's make sure we know what it is we're gonna work on that day. And that's got applications for everything from people that are running a machine shop to people that are running a digital media agency. Let's make sure everyone's clear on what they're doing. Let's make sure that they have what they need. Let's make sure that there's consistent availability of the tools and the resources they need to get it done. Great book. Can't recommend it enough. All right. Then maybe a, a challenge or a failure in the past that served you well and set you up for your current achievement. 
I think one of the things in the past, back in my actual working for wages days as opposed to working on my own, was I got hired to do a job and I made the mistake of doing what I was told I was supposed to do. And to me, that was a failure on my part of reading between the lines and actually assessing the situation correctly. Because I went in and started doing what I'd been told I was hired to do. And it was a terrible experience. It was painful professionally. It was painful for the people that had hired me. It was painful for me. Because I was doing what I knew how to do and what the expertise that I have was telling me to do. And that was not at all what they wanted. So that taught me, particularly in dealing with individuals, is if I'm dealing with an entrepreneur, yeah, it is about them. It is about what you want. But let's really talk at some length and dig to make sure that what you're telling me you want is what you really want and what you really need. Because sometimes what you need is not what you think you want. Clarity. Yes. If you could put painful an ad at on, times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you could put an ad on page one of the local business paper sharing your message, what would it say and why? It would say if you want to change your life for the better, plan your work and work your plan. Because so many people go through lives, they go through their businesses without really figuring out what it is they want and without actually working in the direction. There's a lot of wasted time. There's a lot of wasted effort, a lot of tears and heartbreak that could be avoided by actually sitting down first and figuring out what it is you want to do, what it is you need to do, and then doing it. Yeah, plan with the exit in mind. Exactly. Start with the end in mind. Well, yeah, that's like going on a vacation. Exactly. Oh, honey, we're going to go somewhere. Where? I don't know. Yeah. No, no. Go to destination. Here's the hotel. Here's the rental car. They have yeah. lots of details. And what I tell people is when you're building your life plan, when you're building your business strategy and the plan to get you there, keep in mind that if you're on a sailboat, for example, you're not going to go in a straight line. You'll get there, but sometimes you're headed even almost 90 degrees to where you need to go because you have to make constant course corrections. You have to adjust to the conditions. You have to adjust to the wind. But you'll still get where you want to go. It may not be as fast as you'd like it to be, but you'll get some different experiences. You'll learn some interesting things. But ultimately, if you're still working the plan and you know where you want to go, you'll get there. Well said there. Best allocation of time or initiative that's helped you or your company most? I'd say the best allocation for me is making sure every day I know what I'm going to do. Back to my earlier point, if there's a day where I haven't set out in the morning what it is I'm going to do or a week where I haven't set out what I'm going to do, I'll look back at the end of the day or the end of the week saying, what did I accomplish this week? And as well, I was really busy, but I couldn't really tell you what I got done. That happens, I think. Happens to all of us. Yeah, all of us. More often than not. Oh, yeah. If somebody said you had an unusual habit or what others might consider a little bit out of the ordinary that's helped you and or your company the most? I would say that in some ways I'm a bit of a savant because I retain a lot of what is generally useless information. I've never figured out how to monetize it, but every now and then in that pile that's stored in there in the back corner, something pops out that makes a situation suddenly crystal clear. Inventory of stuff. Inventory of stuff coupled with a rather dry and offbeat sense of humor. <laughs> Over the past few years, belief or protocol that you've established in the company that's most impacted your success? I'd say it's a belief, particularly working as an individual in the coaching and consulting range. We all do too much free work and we tend to underprice ourselves. And I think the one thing that has really helped me in my business over the last several years is realizing that my time and my expertise has a value and not to sell myself short. 
We have a tendency to discount that which we know. We do. It's if it may be easy for me or it's crystal clear to me, oh yeah, let's just go have lunch. We can fix that. And that's But it may have taken you 30 years to figure it out. Exactly. Oh yeah. People universally underprice. As a rule. And they really do. Yeah. I look at it that I have spent 40 years paying tuition. Mm -hmm. Uh, If there's a mistake that's been made, I've probably either made it or cleaned up after it or at least seen it. Mm -hmm. And that's valuable experience. Well, it's a short circuit and that's why they hire a coach. Get me better quicker. That's right. Advice you'd offer to a new CEO that's assuming the role of CEO for the first time. If you are the CEO and if you're the owner, then the advice I would give you is to make sure you know where you want to go, what you want to do, but also make sure you know who's on your team and that you understand what your company's value proposition is. If you are a CEO and you are not the owner, say you're beholden to shareholders or a board, then it's to make sure that you and the people that you answer to, particularly on the board, are on the same page. And the cautionary tale I told earlier of making sure that you're doing what they actually want you to do versus what they tell you they want you to do is something to pay attention to. So the old story of the recruiter who's placed three or four hires at one company and they've all been placed there because the board of directors or the CEO said, I want somebody to come in, hit the ground running and make a lot of great changes from day one. And within 90 days or six months, they're out the door until finally the recruiter placed somebody in there and said, I want you to go very slowly. Don't make any changes in the first 90 days. And following up with the CEO saying, this guy's great. He's what we wanted all along because he wasn't making any changes. The changes he made were very slow, very incremental after he got the lay of the land. Most common misconception about you or your role as the owner of your company? See, the most common misconception is that I come in as a consultant as opposed to a coach. The coaching role, as we discussed earlier, is very different from the consulting role. I will consult. I do take consulting assignments, but I draw a very bright line that if I'm going to consult, I'll tell you that I'm going to consult and I make sure you're okay with that. But I'm also going to be a real pain about making sure that if we come to a decision on that, that you're still involved, even though I'm consulting, and that you are actually going to commit to do what it is we suggest. Yeah, having buy-in from the owner. Most definitely. Looking back over the past few years, what would or should you have said no to and why? I'd say both in this business and in other businesses, the recognition that not all business is good business for me is a tough one to make both when I was selling for other people and granted I'm a coach, but a lot of my business is selling. If I don't sell it, it doesn't happen. I don't get the engagements. I don't get the members, the clients. Is the realization that because someone thinks or understands that they need me, maybe it's not a good fit. Maybe my approach isn't right for them. Maybe my personality is not right for them. In what I do now with TAB and with the peer advisory boards, I also have to be sensitive to a group dynamic. I can't bring someone into a tab board that's not going to be a good fit for them. So sometimes I will agree to work with people individually because they're not good fit for a board. Sometimes I can usually tell fairly early on in the process if I'm not a good fit for them. So I'll I'll decline the business or I'll refer it to someone else I think can help them that's a better fit. But making that recognition earlier on, I think, would have been helpful. Not all business is good business. You have to see that movie a few times mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go, see that movie. Don't yep. ever want to do that again. Yeah, that's right. You know, in the day-to-day operation of the company, a uh, personal habit or self-talk dialogue that keeps you focused. For me, it's the realization that if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. I choose to work individually. I don't have partners. 
Uh, I occasionally hire support contract basis from time to time, but it's making sure that I stay organized. It's making sure, as I mentioned earlier, that I have a pretty good idea of what it is I need to get done that day, that week, that month, and execute it. Relentless execution. It has to be, otherwise it doesn't get done. And you look in the mirror every morning and figure out why not. My boss tends to stalk me. I can't get away from him. I see him in the mirror every morning. He sleeps with me at night. And it's just yeah, everywhere you go. Everywhere I go. Yeah, look in the rearview mirror and there he is. So. A quote that you find meaningful or one that you use frequently. I really don't know where this came from, but one that I use frequently with my clients and with my members is, perfect is the enemy of good enough. Because I oftentimes would be working with someone who it's not quite right, it's not quite right, I can't do it. Well, how much more information do you need? We have enough information to make a rational, informed decision. So granted, it's not perfect, but it's good enough. Execute, reassess. Exactly. Yeah. Minimum viable product. Yep. You know, to kind of wrap it up here, if I was to talk to your colleagues and ask them what you're best at, Mm -hmm. what would they say? How do you utilize that strength on a daily basis? People I work with, I'd say colleagues as well as clients, would probably say the thing that I bring to the table that helps the most, aside from years of experience, is an ability to listen and an ability to formulate on the fly as to, okay, here's what I understand you're telling me. Let's make sure this is right. And then to follow up with a line of questions. And some of it's Socratic. How do you feel about this? What do you think? What do you think is the best course of action here? Why have you chosen to do this? Or why would you not do this? And to lead people in the direction that they need and want to go. So a lot of it is listening skills. I tell you, you know, going through this process is kind of a, a pet project. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the idea of helping business owners maximize the value of their companies and execute well. It's a very psychically rewarding field. And the, for the business owner that's listening to this mm-hmm. thing, the biggest mistake they can make is by not calling. Exactly. Because reach out. You're not alone. And get some coaching. Mm-hmm. So make sure you give Kevin a call and uh, bring him on board. So I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. And sharing your wisdom. (laughs) Thanks so much.